and away we go. Hello there, everybody. This is Chris Latori. You're listening to the Sunspots Comics Podcast, issue number 20. I'm your host, Chris. How you doing? I'm excellent. Thank you. And this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, Audello Construction Services. Audello Construction Services Incorporated has been building quality projects and relationships for over 30 years. They're a general contractor specializing in commercial and residential construction. They're based in Montebello, but they're centrally located to provide service to all surrounding cities. They take pride in meeting and exceeding their needs of their clients. They work in close cooperation with project owners to ensure their wishes are taken into account. They also provide advice on alternative solutions that can help save time and money without compromising quality. Check them out at Audello, A-U-D-E-L-O-C-S.com. And that's actually my in-laws family's company. Have to give them a shout out because they recently took me and Patsy, my wife, to this awesome restaurant in La Mirada called Green Chili. I have to give a shout out to them. They Their specialty item is a green chili burger, which is out of this world. And the green chili fries, ah, they just put, they have green chili ranch sauce. Everything was just amazing there. So it was delicious, and I felt like I had to give them a shout out. But please check out Audello Construction Services. Their phone number is 323-721-9206. Ask for Art or Louie. Tell them that Chris at Sunspots Comics referred you. Thank you very much. Now, also, wanted to give a quick thank you to everyone that already follows us on Facebook. If you don't, please check out facebook.com slash sunspotscomics. I post all types of stuff there, links to the podcast, show notes, show articles. And if you aren't already following us, please do on the social medias on Instagram and Twitter at sunspotscomics.com. And also, we're still running the contest. Please send me a suggestion. Email me. I've got a bunch. I have this French one that I'm going to have to check out. There's no dialogue, thank goodness, because I can't read French. (laughs) But it looks pretty interesting. About a panda. Kind of Kung Fu Panda-ish. And so please, send in your suggestions for a comic book that you think I should be reading and talking about. Send it to my email, chris at sunspotscomics.com. And last little shout-out to Zombie Destroyers. My friend, artist Michael Norris, has all the information for character one of four. It's a female, and he's beginning to sort of write sketches and pictures for her. So thank you, Mike, for doing it, and I'm so excited. I can't wait to get Zombie Destroyers up and running. So check it out at zombiedestroyers.com. So, anyway, with all that good stuff out of the way, we got so much on this episode. It's just a blast doing this. So thank you for listening, and thanks for for joining us on this ride and this adventure. It's 20 episodes. It's pretty cool. And I can look back now and say, wow, we've we've done 20. And I tell you, I just continually have fun doing it, so I'm going to keep on doing it. And this week, 10 comics, which was cool. And I tell you, the top five felt like a five-way tie. It was really tough to pick the top five out of the ten. They were just so good. Fantastic art, great stories, just all the fun stuff that's keeping me reading every single week. And it's good, and I'm going to share that with you. But first, let's jump into three, not five, comic book feel-good factoid freebies. (laughs) I will share all my links to this on the Facebook, facebook.com slash sunspotscomics, and Twitter. So check out uh, these links there that I'm going to be sharing these three. So the first one, right off the bat, is from Fusium.com. And it's from Florida International University Student Media. Comics Club 
to host their very own Comic-Con. Yes! I wish that when I was going to college they had like a comic book club. They didn't. I was in the movie club and the yearbook club and things like that in high school and uh, you know, I just wished there was a comic book club when I was in high school or, or college. That would have been just awesome. But the Biscayne Bay campus of Florida International University is gathering up students, putting up flyers, having their own little mini Comic-Con, the cosplays. The, they're trying to get artists. They're trying to get writers. They're trying to get people involved. They have about 20 vendors so far that are going to be attending this. That's just very cool. I, I, I just have to commend them. Looks like it's going to be on October 24th which I'll, of course, share the link. But very, very cool college students doing it, putting their own little mini Comic-Con together, trying to get artists, trying to get writers. And I think that's kind of cool. I mean, 195,000 people at San Diego Comic-Con is one thing, but to have it, a little microcosm, a little mini-con, just sounds cool and sounds intimate and you might get some good stuff and maybe have some actual one-on-one little conversations. So I think that's very, very cool. That's my one of, of three. Number two is from the... Outhousers.com, and the title is Inspirational. Meet a man who can't count to ten, but still reviews comic books. Now this is cool. Looks like uh, this Jeremy Hunter is suffering from numflation. It's a rare yet serious condition that causes a person to consistently overestimate numerical value. So strange that uh, and sucks that Jeremy has this. But he's, he's made a vow to himself that he won't let that hold him back in life. He still reads comics, loves comics, reviews comics. I thought that's just very cool. And I will share Jeremy's story here. So please check that out. And the number three of three is from techtimes.com. And I like this because over the years... I've seen a lot of this, and it's celebrity appearances, or strange real-life people that are in comic books. This, from Tech Times, is titled, The Strangest Celebrity Appearances in Comic Books. And they show David Letterman, I knew about him, various presidents, various political people from, oh my gosh, you name it, Muhammad Ali, um, they show the Avengers sitting down on the panel with David Letterman, I remember that, in like 1984. And here's one that I remember, but I haven't seen forever. Spider-Man was a guest star on Saturday Night Live in this Marvel team of comic number 74 in 1978. And it shows him and Dan Aykroyd having a little conversation. And, and then there's even a Superman showing Don Rickles, old-timey comedian, one of the godfathers of comedy and the roasting world. So Don Rickles, if you haven't heard of him, I've heard of him younger folks, check him out. But he made an appearance in a... Superman pal, Superman's pal Jimmy Olsen, number 141 in 1971, year before I was born. So just very cool, just highlights. If you have, so I, I remember just all kinds of them, but if you remember a specific one that just made you laugh, that you enjoyed, I remember Obama being in one recently, but if you have one that you really want to highlight and bring to my attention, email me, chris at sunspotscomics.com, and I'll shed some light upon it. But I wanted to just highlight that one. So that's my three of three quick ones. My three, not five, comic book feel-good factoid freebies. Hope you enjoyed them. So next up, let's take a quick glimpse into the world of artificial intelligence. So I got a question for you. Just Just a quick question. Do you like Barbie? Do you enjoy robots that can murder death kill you? Well, here's the article for you <laughs> from Popsky, Popsi.com. Barbie learns to chat using artificial intelligence. Great. So they're basically taking a Barbie, implementing some artificial intelligence 
to come up with responses, voice responses. So far, they have over 8,000 various lines of dialogue. It's even designed to improvise. It's going to be built with servos and mechanical hardware to allow it to move. Great. I can just, I, the nightmare is building in my brain already of Barbie that wants to stab me in the face. So there you go. I'll, <laughs> that was, that's really in a nutshell what this article was about. And I was just frightened when I saw it. I'm like, man, it's like, it's like a nightmare from Toy Story. It, it's just, uh, it's perfectly laid out. They're going to, I'm sure this will be an animated feature or something. It, it, so there you go. Barbie wants to kill us. <laughs> that's our one article in the glimpse into the world of artificial intelligence. Whoa, what was that? I think that was my spider sense tingling. Well, that's right, it is, because I have an article that made my spider sense tingle, and here it is, from NBCNews.com, titled, Hiding in Plain Sight, Scientists Create Ultra-Thin Invisibility Cloak. That's right, it's a little bit Predator, a little bit Harry Potter, a little bit Sue Storm. Looks like, just like the movie... An alien uses a cloak, cloaking device to hide in plain sight, but the effect is far from perfect. The alien's attempt to conceal itself is thwarted by distortions of light that bend around it. Now, researchers have built an ultra-thin invisibility cloak that gets around this problem by turning objects into perfect flat mirrors. Wow, it's happening. See? I told you. So, I need a suit of this. Where can I order it? When will it be on Amazon? And it looks like Zhang Jing, Director of Material Sciences at Lawrence Berkeley National Laboratory, and his group have constructed this ultra-thin film consisting of a 50 nanometer thick layer of magnesium fluoride topped by a varying pattern of tiny brick-shaped gold antennas, each 30 nanometers thick. Uh, For comparison, it says an average strand of human hair is about 100,000 nanometers wide. These bricks were built into six different sizes, ranging from about 30 to 220 nanometers long and 90 to 175 nanometers wide. So pretty crazy. I just want to know how how much is it going to be. I want to buy it now. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, the the picture of it and how light refracts off these tiny little gold mirrors will eventually, I guess, just completely hide you. And pretty cool. I love it when science is meeting together with the world of comic books and they seem to just be coming together. I love that. So there's the article that made my spider sense tingle this week. There it is. So next up, I want to kind of start a new segment where I highlight the new number one comic books that came out uh, last week. And I always try to gravitate and buy number ones when I can. At least look at them and page through them and see if it's something awesome I need to get immediately. So some of them don't make the top five, the top ten, the top three, whatever my tops end up being from my comic book poll. And I just wanted to shed some light, put a little spotlight on the number one. So I don't have a name of it yet. If you have an idea for a segment for that, hit me up at chris at sunspotscomics.com. But I want to do it pretty much every week because uh, for the most part, every week there's always new number ones that come out. And I love to just be a part of something awesome. There's also that maybe that collectability factor. If you jump on the for fresh number one and it ends up being something like The Walking Dead worth $8,000. But this week there were four number ones. And one of the number ones made it to the top five. So I just wanted to shed a little light on them. This week, one that jumps right in there. And, you know, with, with number ones, with anything, art is subjective, I find myself that 
it's kind of an emotional ride for me with comic books. And depending on what I'm like emotionally hungering for at that time is what really makes a number one stand out. I think that's just kind of the way it works with, I guess, with any art medium. But this week, what the number ones did for me was... I don't know. They had some still some potential, and I'll, I'll definitely stick with them. But let me just talk briefly about all the number ones this week. There were four. One of them did make the top five. And the first one is Broken Moon, written by Steve Niles, art by Nat Jones, American Gothic Press, number one of four. Covers awesome with like a red moon that sort of looks like a skull. And it's cool to see vampires and werewolves still in a in a war on in a, an apocalyptic sort of earth type situation the moon is destroyed because of the wars we were involved in and it was just fun and dark and it was just i'm going to continue with this one for sure the art style is maybe a little sketchy i like that they have vampires like flying in sort of bat like jets <laughs> and so don't they fly but i don't know they're in these rocket powered vampire jets so that was kind of cool, but um, I'm going to definitely peek into that and keep that one going. The next one is Captain America White, Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale. Oh my gosh, just a, a very sort of a patriotically, nostalgically refreshing comic book. I love his art style. It's just very Kirby-esque, and the color in it is just, it's just red, white, and blue. just makes you feel American. I really enjoyed it. They even put a reprinting of America, or of America, of the uh, Captain America White the original number one and and it's like a director's cut it was it was 4.99 and in the back it has some some rough panels done and some some writing along with those rough panels to kind of show where the, how they went with it what their motivation was etc so it's definitely like a director's cut version but very well done very patriotic i love that captain america white so almost made it there i would say but it, uh, I don't know, it just, it was fun, it was good, but man, there was so, the other, I guess, maybe the other one just topped it out. And then there was uh, The Paybacks, Dark Horse Comics, number one, The Paybacks. And this had a very Sean Murphy style of art, gorgeous. Uh, the guy's talking to a unicorn, the unicorn, unicorn talks back. They got an A-team-like van in here. It's basically your supervillains and superheroes have to have loans for all their super gadgets, and some of them don't pay, and this is the repo team. <laughs> the cover shows basically they're, they're repoing the Batmobile. So what happens when supervillains and superheroes can't pay the bills? That's where the paybacks come in. So I really had a, a high expectation of this being really good. They did that thing where they have 700 characters that they introduce in the splash at the very beginning, and it's just tough to sort of remember who everyone is and this, the writing style is a little all over the place. You didn't quite know where they were going with this. It wasn't as cut and clear as you would think, like a repo team. Um, there's some relationship building here, but there's just so many characters it was tough to sort of follow along, but I did enjoy it. I definitely, I think, will pick up number two, maybe. We'll see when it comes out next. And that was three of the four. And then the fourth, I'll get into more, um, but it's Tokyo Ghost. I'll get into when I do the top five. And that is Sean Murphy, written by Rick Remender. Fantastic, fantastic. So that one made it in, but you know, three of the four didn't. But I just wanted to shed a little light, talk a little bit about the number ones. They were good. There was, there was some positive things, some things hopefully they'll work on, polish up, and then we'll see. We'll go from there. But there you go. That's the, uh, the, sh the showcase. Number one, highlighted showcases of the new number one comic books of last week. There you go. 
So let's get into the bestest part, my favorite part, which is the top five comic book picks of the week for New Comic Book Day, September 16th. I had 10 on the pull list, which please check out sunspotscomics.com every Wednesday. I do put my pull list titles on the website so you can see what I'm about to read in advance and maybe grab them yourself because they're good and you should be looking at them. And also, spoiler alert, of course, these are all comic books I read, and I review them. Try not to give out the meatiest, juiciest part of the comic book, but I do spoil them, so spoiler alert. And before I go into the top five, I wanted to make a quick mention to the Rebels, number six, by Dark Horse Horse Comics, by Brian Wood, Andrea Moody, and Jordi Belair. By the way, uh, Fernando Polaris, my stepson, picked this as the cover of the week, the art cover of the week. I laid all ten out. He looked at all ten of them. Hadn't read any of them. He's not really into comic books. But I said, pick the art winner just by cover and not knowing anything about them. And he picked Rebels. It's over. It's six of six. It was a lot of fun. I'm not a historical reader by any measure of the means. It's not something I usually seek out. But it was Brian Wood writing. You gotta, you gotta jump on and grab that talking about the Civil War and this fictitious story that he tries to weave in some historical elements. And it was just a a lot of fun. It was really more of this one guy who had a pretty harsh father that raised him out in the woods, out in the wilderness, and he has to go off and, and fight the uh, for the South, it looks like he's not into their thing about slavery, but he's into you know protecting his family, protecting his 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 family's land, and to fight for you know what he believes in, and really just just kill some redcoats. <laughs> I think is what he's really in it for, and uh, it's it's interesting. Like I said, I'm not a history buff. I thought it was kind of strange, and this is a heavy spoiler, at the very, very end of it, how he's gone for so many years, and he has a son that he's never seen, because his wife was pregnant, I guess, when he left, and she has a sort of moment where she sticks her finger in his face and was like, you never wrote me, and and you you didn't send me any communication, and you're not my husband, you may be legally, but you're going to have to date me again, and maybe you shouldn't be here, and just... I mean, points a finger at his face, and you can almost hear, you know, her head shaking back, and like, oh, no, you didn't moment. Like, you ain't my husband. Like, it was just one of those moments. It felt, I don't know, a little out of time. felt a little strange. But otherwise, could have definitely made the the top five. It was up there, and I just wanted to give a shout-out to Fernando also for picking it as the art winner in the cover category. So anyway, let's break it down and get into the top five. So this week, I tell you, this it really did feel like a five-way tie for first place. It could have easily been that way. And it was uh, it was just a great week for comics. All ten just went by really fast. Not a lot of heavy dialogue this week, which can be tough sometimes when you have a life and things happening and whatnot. But number five, Star Wars. Marvel Comics, issue number nine. From written by, of course, Jason Aaron, Stuart Eminen on art, which is just gorgeous. This may be the art winner. We'll, I'll pick one as I review all five of these. But it's just, it's just gorgeous. What really worked for me in this was that again, it's filling in some Luke Skywalker stuff here. He's seeking out Jedi artifacts. He he wants to go to Coruscant. He wants to find out about this strange this strange religion and this these strange the strange power that he knows he has and it's it's just unwell he hops onto this this planet 
that has a hut family member there that clunks him on the head and takes him into his secret stash and says, you're the last Jedi. Here's a Jedi holocron. Open this up. And Luke's like, I've never even seen this. I don't know what a Jedi holocron is. But he sort of meditates, asks for Ben's help, and these holocrons open up with like these sort of historical teachings, if you will. It's like Superman putting the crystals into the crystal display, and then he's, he learns stuff from it. And it's kind of like that. They show these these ancient Jedi's and their teachings that are in, that are inside these holocr- holocrons. And so it's just very cool that he's seeking this stuff out, and it was just fun. And the way he draws Chewbacca on the final page, you just want to keep looking at it. It's gorgeous. So it's just a lot of fun. They, they Han dips into why his wife is chasing him again, and no questions really answered there, but they're on the run now. And Han has to explain, I'm a rebel now. And she's like, you're a what now? <laughs> and uh, they flash over to Mon Mothma saying that uh, they received a distress signal from R2 because he's with Luke. But they're like, no, we can't help Luke. Luke's on his own. We can't afford to do anything. Well, Chewbacca's like, I'm in there. I'm your Huckleberry. I'm going after my boy, which, of course, he just says in grunts. (laughs) But that's my number five. It's just fun. It's my favorite of the Star Wars, Darth Vader, Princess Leia, Kanan. I would say that uh, it's the best one. And the art is ridiculous. That's my number five. Number four, Will Eisner's The Spirit by Dynamite Comics. Number three, cover by Eric Powell of Goon. Oh, I love it. His art is ridiculous. I wish he was doing the, the art for the whole thing. But I was never really the biggest Spirit fan. I know the importance, the gravity of Will Eisner's The Spirit, so I decided to give it a chance. And in this issue, they start off with a little twist where it's a sort of, uh, a, a, I guess it's maybe like the Caribbean, and it's this this man spearfishing, in, whereas there's this broken ship, the shipwreck, and he's fishing there and he talks about how there's no longer any fish really there anymore because everyone's fished it he's trying to feed his family and he comes up with a very very small catch and there is a man in his in his tribe you know very muscular man that catches this giant bluefin tuna and his wife is just giving him a hard time for it like why can't you catch a fish like him and so he goes out there and tries to catch a larger fish and you're, I'm thinking the whole time, where is this going? Like, this is a, stra- a strange twist. I'm, I'm in, though. The art's beautiful and has a sort of, uh, yeah, like a, well, it actually has kind of a Jack Kirby look to it. So he's, then he's, this villager is, quickly sees that there's a, a great white shark chasing after him. <laughs> so he's like, I'm going to catch this great white shark for my family. I don't care. He spears it, just harpoons it through the face. And as he's tying it up to his boat, the spirit arrives. There he is. He's got a cut-off shirt and and torn clothes, but he's got his fingerless gloves. Gotta love the fingerless gloves. And then the story is uh, back to where these two buddies of the spirit are still looking for him. He's been gone for two years. And it was just a nice little twist, cool little introduction. I was, I was along for the ride. It was fun. They interview a sort of... I guess I'm, she must be like a... Batman, Batman, Catwoman sort of relationship. They they talked to this woman in prison that knew the spirit, had a complicated relationship with the spirit. And 
she's just so classically drawn in this, you know, 20s, late 20s style. It's just very, very cool. And you can feel like the gravity of the relationship that him and the spirit had. She has a, like a flashback and remembers back to why she's in prison. She was a, kind of a burglar, but didn't want to hurt anyone. And there's some gunfire and the spirit's shot and she has to hold the wound. She doesn't want the spirit to die, and so the police arrest her. And he even shows up at her trial and and tries to testify for her so that he doesn't she doesn't get the full impact of the law thrown at her. So they have a complicated relationship, but it really worked for me. Her name was San Serif. And I just thought that was really really enjoyable. And I'm gonna keep reading this. It's really, really, really good. And this is the issue where the spirit is back. It's been gone for a couple years, but here he is. He's now how's that going to impact things? So I, lo- I I enjoyed it. That was just fantastic. So that's that's my number four. And my number three is my Valiant Comics Bloodshot Reborn number six, The Hunt, part one. The cover's awesome. Three hooded skull figures with the red bloodshot dot t-shirt on. <laughs> Very Punisher-like. And this introduces a new bad guy, which they Jeff Lemire is writing this, by the way, the master, Jeff Lemire, written uh, art by Budge... Butch, <laughs> uh, Guise, I keep sorry, G-U-I-C-E, uh, Guise, Guise, I don't know, David Barron, <laughs> also on lettering, and very gritty, very realistic looking art, I just love the look and feel of this, the facial expressions really, really work, you really feel the gravity of their emotion, it, it does a really good job at that, I have to say, and this is uh, introducing a new bad guy quickly on the first splash page, where he's, uh, he's, he's taking out a little alley cat, guys, uh, killing small animals so bad a baddie being set up i think and then they go into where this 20 year old is following after our main character bloodshot who is his nanites have escaped his body and he's trying he has four more people left to gather all the nanites but the more he gathers the more he sort of loses his own personality so it's uh he doesn't want to do it he wants to do it he he has his humanity back when he's bloodshot he has no humanity and kills without question. And this also shows that well, they were sitting in a diner and he's eating meal after meal because of the nanites. And there's some humor written in here, which I really thought was funny. And there's two sort of detectives. One that reminds me of it. She is a, so she, she reminds me like a young Charles Xavier. She has like telepathic powers. I don't know if she can move anything per se. She can kind of read minds. She can kind of get feelings. She's on the, on the hunt for, for bloodshot with a sort of a, high-level policeman that has been assigned to her, who they don't really like each other. They have this banter where they go back and forth. He's much older than her. He doesn't believe that she has the ability to have this sort of psychic power, so he's just sort of a cynic, and she's sort of a psychic, and they have to be paired together. Well, they have even like a horrible sexual encounter with each other. (laughs) That goes very wrong. (laughs) You think like, oh, maybe this could be cute. They could maybe have some sort of love thing. No. They they talk about how horrible the encounter went. They're not going to do it anymore. They're not going to talk about it. (laughs) And so I just thought that was a really interesting kind of neat take there. You thought it was going to be a happy, warm, and fuzzy moment? Uh, no, not so much. So they realized quickly that was a mistake. And he, and our character Bloodshot really tries to get this 20-year-old girl to leave him alone, but she really has nothing. She's kind of desperate, and she has no one and has nobody, and so she feels safe with him, which is crazy. The, he's going after these nanite-infused serial killers that once they get the nanite, they, they, just, they just start killing people. 
and his mission is to find all four of them, get all the nanites, but then become bloodshot again and lose himself. So just well done. I can see this as a, a really gripping TV show for AMC. They're probably doing something like that already. But the art style here of this new bad guy that is actually collect, collecting the nanites for himself, I think the last four people with nanites will just end up being consolidated into this baddie um, that looks just real pale-faced and red eyes and just creepy hooded character. And that's who Bloodshot's going after. So very well done. Just loved it. I'm along for the ride. It was a lot of fun. Like a road trip kind of movie uh, or kind of kind of comic book. It was great. I really liked it, so check it out. And my number two is the number one of the week that made it into the top five, and it's Tokyo Ghost, by written by Rick Remender, artist by one of my favorites of all time, Sean Murphy, and colorist Matt Hollingsworth. I have to point out Matt Matt's love of orange and pink. It's just about on every single page. He pretty much used that as his primary color palette, Orange is all over this thing. So is pink. It's like 80% orange, 20% pink. But he does it beautifully, and it's just so well done. And I have to read the blurb of this because it's a little all over the place. <laughs> Led Dent and Debbie Decay are constables for the flack entertainment conglomerate that rules the putrid squalor of the Isles of Los Angeles 2089. All of society centers on distraction. Everyone trying desperately to flee from the harsh reality of noxious sewer water the world has become. Led and Debbie are the law. Whatever Flat Corp happens to say the law is that day. So it's two cops on a road trip to get a really horrible serial killer murder, basically. But the world they set here with its very kind of Blade Runner is what it reminds me of right off the bat. It reminds me of like a very rated R speed racer. Uh, he's riding a the bad guy's riding a hoverboard, a pink hoverboard from Back to the Future, blatantly. But then it has like, like a a crazy death sword on it, <laughs> and even the dialogue felt very like very much like the movie Idiocracy. It takes you a second to figure out kind of what they're saying because it's just kind of riddled with expletives and it's just uh and shortcut. It reminds me of like Pigeon, like. My mother speaks uh, some pigeon because she's from Hawaii. She reminds me of just very bad English. <laughs> so it's a little tough to figure out the dialogue at first. But once it gets rolling, you realize a simple story. Debbie's like a young person without any augmentation. And the her, she references him as Teddy, um, but he's also referenced as Ned Dent, is this giant sort of hulking mass that's overly hooked to their internet or how their internet works he hardly even realizes what's going on he sees like the world through like video game eyes as he's riding this very bat pod bat mo like motorcycle that's just awesome it, it has like the reminds me of from the dark knight the the nolan series the two large wheels and kind of like a light cycle from tron and it's there it's simply there after a baddie that's going to allow them to be free and you realize quickly this is what really worked for me was the main hulking ned teddy character that's writing this this light cycle is someone deep down inside that she cares about but is so plugged into their internet and so fused with all these enhancements that he's lost sort of his soul his spirit and they're fighting this top-hatted wearing baddie with all with this ability to sort of 
control you uh, b- with his video game like machinery that he has hooked to his arm. It's just very well done. Beautiful layouts and panels and splash page and the way he is just so all over the place in this story is interesting. I definitely am hooked. I d- it almost made the n- number one, maybe just for the dialogue being a little tough to understand at first was maybe all that kept it from being the number one. But lovely, lovely piece of work. Tokyo Ghost. I'm in. I'm hooked. It's added to the pull list. Check out the pull list, too, if you want to see all of the comics I'm currently reading on sunspotscomics.com slash pull list. So... Now that brings us to the number one pick of new comic book day for September 16th is Invincible, number 23, 123, by Robert Kirkman, writer, of course, Ryan Otley, some of his best work here, and uh, inker, Cliff Rathborn. Cliff also likes the, I'd say the pink, this is about 80% pink, and then maybe light blue, but his... He definitely has a Kirby-like influence. It has maybe a twinge of anime in there and manga. It just has that sort of look and clean style. And this is just like a really, really good day. I know it's strange that there isn't maybe a whole lot happening in this, but Mark, our main character, has to gallivant the galaxy in search of a baddie who is from his father's home planet that is apparently breeding and building an army and so he's has to leave this alien planet where him and Eve live and their child and search out this bad guy to stop him from building this this mega army and they have a conversation uh, just a sort of intimate conversation that really works for me between Mark and Eve about how she, look she's fine that he has to gallivant the galaxy and she has to stay there and watch the baby She's sort of fine that they're on this crazy, strange alien planet that she's had to sort of adjust to, but she just needs a day away from baby. (laughs) And he's like, fine, go. And before he can hardly get the words out, she's gone. Poof, just flies off. (laughs) And he's like, okay, I guess she really needs this. And there's a splash page that is, this is the art winner. I'll say it right now. It most definitely is the art winner. Way to go, Ryan Otley. There's a splash page that, takes 36 4 8 12 6 32 small panels in this this splash page of mommy's day out just exploring this strange alien planet playing chess with a weird gelatinous alien <laughs> or chess like game in a park she's trying weird alien dresses on she's at a strange alien zoo she is <laughs> watching this this very odd looking alien rock band <laughs> And so she just gets to gallivant, and then you see Mark just having a baby day with his, his the cutest little daughter you've ever seen. She's crying. She's pooping. She's crying. She's pooping again. She's crying. There's some more pooping going on, <laughs> slobbering in Dad's face. It's just it's just a heartwarming, just lovely little daddy-daughter day that just, it just works. And now they lay it out in this panel, and you have to look at it more than once. And then she's like, okay, I'm good. She's like, you, you do what you got to do take off fly around the galaxy do what you gotta do and he so he takes off with this armada from this alien planet and uh they land on a planet where they believe that he's this this baddie is supposed to be and he's not there and he's he goes and searches through this cave where he finds these sort of crazy tendrils reminds me of the movie avatar the memory tendrils tendrils that they hook up to and uh, download their memories or whatever they've shared 
their shared uh, cohesiveness, their their personalities, and it basically takes Mark and zaps him into the past, and he, it's like it's back to episode one. This freaked me out, worried me, and is also very interesting. Uh, Robert Kirkman is the kind of guy that doesn't like reboots. He said it before on some of his articles in the back of his panels. So hopefully he's not just doing a Spider-Man brand new day kind of situation, whole new day, where they're just wiping out what happened in the past and starting from here because the storyline that he left off is not worth getting rid of. It's not... They need to keep going with it. It's fantastic. So I hope... I'm very scared. I hope they didn't jump the shark. I hope he's not just uh, going to just rewrite the whole thing. I hope it's a little jaunt into the past, a little back to the future maybe. A little, he has to change a little something, tweak a little something, twist a little something, and go back to his timeline. But I tell you, um, jaw dropped. A little freak out. It's shaking people up. His article in the back uh, makes sheds light that it, more than to me overall looks like it may just be a temporary thing but he's really you know taking some risks here and it works it it, it's got me freaked out sure but i've read every single issue of the 123 episodes of invincible and i'm going to stick with it he takes chances it's a very adult take on the superhero genre sometimes it goes from like it feels like a very pg book to all of a sudden a very r book with some of the things uh, in topics that he goes into but it is uh, number one I know it's been number one before as I'm looking at sunspotscomics.com on my top uh, picks which all my history of all my top picks is there so check it out but um, I loved it it's my number one it was solid invincible so there you go that's our show I hope you liked it I hope you had fun hope you enjoyed it and boy there's so much more to come thank you for listening to 20 episodes it's just been a blast and yeah I'm talking to you listeners podcasters but thank you very much and please spread the love tell a friend tell your mom that uh, you listen to a podcast of a guy that just loves comic books and share the love hit me up on itunes please hit me with a five-star review i'd really appreciate it to help spread the love and uh, until next week i'll be hearing to uh, you'll be hearing from me again next week thank you very much for tuning in and of course don't forget don't leave home without and buy three of Yo, man, can I ask you a question? Yeah. What? Why everybody messing with the Batmans? See? That's exactly what I've been asking myself. It don't make no sense. Why would you do it? Why would you do that? Why would you try and mess with the Batman? It's futile. It is! Next up, let's take a quick dip. Take quick, take a blick. Man, I did seven minutes straight. Now.